Good morning, RadioNext.tv, taking your way back in the house right here. Dr. Mark Echo, <laughs> Harold H.B. Bell, and we are on Warp and Wolf Radio as we always do each and every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I have a great guest in studio with us today. Dr. Clyde Posley is in the house, the great shepherd of Antioch Missionary Baptist Church. Dr. Mark, how are you today, my Oh, brother? doing really, really well. Just introducing folks out here to this great facility, Collaborate 317. Really happy to be here in the house with you and uh, all the great setup here for the folks. Looking forward to what we can do here. Absolutely. And we're not going to waste time this morning going to our normal musical break. Dr. Clyde is taking care of some business, as you know, uh, pastors have to do uh, impromptu work. So we're going to go right in. Introduce the guest, Dr. Mark. Yeah. So we have uh, Dr. Clyde Posley here today. Doctor, thanks so much for spending some time here with us today. I am delighted to be here. Hello, H- uh, HB. Hello, Dr. Mark. I am um, excited to be here today and to, and to be invited to talk about such a prescient uh, uh, topic, such a relevant now topic. Absolutely. I'm just humbled to be here, and thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. So uh, just for the folks listening for uh, to us today, we've got a whole bunch of folks from actually around the country listening to this episode today. Uh, what, what? Tell us a little bit about your church. Tell us about your family. Tell us about what you do in Indianapolis. Okay, I, um, I'm the pastor of the Antioch Baptist Church located at 704 East 32nd Street here in the heart of, uh, Indy at, uh, uh, another way of saying 32nd and College or 32nd and, uh, Fall Creek right in the 30th Street. I've, I've been there for 18 years. Wow. I know I don't sound old enough to have, to, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I've been there for 18, going on 19 years. The church is 130 years old, mm. Dr. Eccles. Mm. And, um, I'm humbled and uh, yet proud to be their, their pastor. I've got mm. some great people there, people that have supported, uh, my family. I'm married. I have four children. Um, uh, actually, my oldest son is, is my minister of music. He's doing oh, a great job there. Great. And um, I have two boys, two girls. Uh, my uh, uh, second eldest son, uh, the former football standout at Ball State, uh, he's now uh, working here in Indianapolis. I have another student, at, uh, oldest daughters at Indiana State. And hmm. my youngest daughter is a, um, a pre-med student at IU down in Bloomington. Wonderful. So, um, so I've been there. Working in, in, in the inner city, um, with an emphasis on, on race relations and, and the importance of inclusion and, and crossing racial divides with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also done some uh, extended work, uh, as an outpouring of my ministry there at Antioch with, uh, Pink Forever, a mm-hmm. cancer servicing organization that ministers to the, uh, right now needs of cancer, um, uh, survivors. And then also, uh, I, and the way I met you, I believe, was yes. uh, us working uh, on a panel together about the uh, with the Red Alliance yes. and some of the disparating numbers in, in the death rate across racial lines with uh, breast cancer and healthcare awareness. But I've also um, also worked extensively with with men's ministry throughout the city, various churches, and that's been a major thrust of mine, as well as uh, youth ministry, hmm. trying to strengthen families by helping. Uh, the uh, members of the family, individual members of the family, actualize, self-actualize, understand what their role is, how how parents should parents biblically, parent biblically, mm. how children should relate to their parents, but biblically, not not based on uh, what the world teaches. So, mm-hmm. um, I've had a I've had a great run. I've been blessed. Uh, people have been good to me at the church, and I like to feel like I've tried to be good to them. Mm, that's yeah. great. Well, we're so thankful for your time uh, today. This is just a a huge. Uh, effort that you make to come out and, and chat with us. And uh, as we were talking off air, uh, just for everybody's benefit, 
uh, I mentioned Dr. Posley, this is not a one-and-done situation. Right. We're going to come back and do this again and again and again. Uh, we hope to work together uh, in many different ways uh, toward unity in Indianapolis. And uh, so we're, we're on our way, and this is a fir- first great step. So let's talk, first of all, about uh, the basis for Christian unity. Let's, uh, let's chat about that first. Right, right. The, uh, you know, I, as a pastor, and but but more more moreover, as a Christian, mm-hmm. um, the, the in my mind, the basis for Christian unity is, is born out of the fact that we all belong to God. The there truth, it is. Yep. that we all belong to God. Ezekiel, um, chapter eighteen explains. To, uh, God says through the prophet Ezekiel in, in the Old Testament that all souls are mine. Mm-hmm. They they all belong to me. And then Jesus came along. Uh, well, the uh, the uh, Luke, the author of the book of Acts, comes along and explains to us in the 17th chapter of uh, Acts that that we are of one blood. Mm. God God put us here uh, together uh, for the purpose of bringing to pass a one body fellowship of mm. praise to Him. Mm. Uh, and, and, as you well as you well know, uh, Dr. Eccles, in in John three sixteen. God says, "God so loved the world, mm-hmm. not 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 any particular race." He, he, he God God does not speak in terms of race; mm-hmm. He speaks in terms of His people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, we we have a mandate throughout Scripture from God to, in all things, be one. Not just in the body of Christ, yes. but we are one in creation, mm-hmm. and uh, we cannot. Um, let the otherness of people, as as mm. as Martha Nosbaum would 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 say, we cannot let the otherness of people predetermine our treatment of them. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, we, we 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 we've got to do a better job. We've got to decide mm-hmm. to be intentional mm. about the unity because yes. um, because of sin. It's not natural. People, we, we would like to, you know, it's just, I don't understand why people don't get along. Well, you know, the damage of sin mm-hmm. is why we don't get along. Not mm-hmm. because whites just don't like blacks or blacks just don't like whites. That's mm-hmm. just, that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. There is a precursor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there is a precursor that has, 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 has warped our concept of the value mm. of unity. And ironically, God has set everything up, the ecosystem, uh, et cetera, mm-hmm. on the need for the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to interject because when you mention that, Clyde, it's it's like all of that is scripture. I mean, throughout mm-hmm. the Bible, it's scripture mm-hmm. about how we're supposed to come together as one, working as one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes into so many different analogies and breaking this mm-hmm. down. And for some reason, with all this love we have for Christ, we never seem to get that uh, when it comes to being and working as one. And, mm-hmm. and that right. doesn't mean... That doesn't mean giving up your individualism. Right. It means how can it help better the body. Exactly. And, and if, if we could get that, man, we would be there. And it mm-hmm. seems so simple. But we, we talk about this every day, every week, and it's like we just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Interestingly um, enough, HB, what, what's ironic about it, uh, uh, and Dr. Eccles, is that how we treat each other mm-hmm. is the leading, according to Scripture, indicator of that love of Christ. There it is. That's why this show is so important. That's why this is so valuable, what you're doing, Dr. Eccles, because the greatest, it, it's not in what we can accomplish or acquire. Mm-hmm. The greatest, according to John uh, 13 and 35, Jesus says, uh, and 34, he says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. But then he goes on and, 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 and singles out a passage of uh, one verse that I think defines his requirements for unity. 
uh, and by this he says, shall all men know mm-hmm. that you're my disciples yep. if you have love one for the other. Yep. That literally says that Christ gives the world. Right. If you look at the transition, how he transitions, he says all men mm-hmm. know that you. So he's, he's literally saying to the world, I'm giving the world the right to look at the church and decide if they know me, mm-hmm. if you guys know me, if the coming disciples know me, the world has the right to look at us and say whether or not we know Christ based on how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. It was uh, interesting yesterday as we were having a discussion with uh, someone downtown Indianapolis, and we were discussing funding for Comenius, and I said, uh, I'm going to tell you my 15-second elevator speech. Uh, for $1 million. If you give me $1 million, this is what I'm going to do with it. I am going to uh, hire a younger African-American man to help him through his Ph.D. program and then let him uh, take over my position as executive director of this organization in five to seven years as he gets his feet under him and so on, Mm -hmm. and I fade to the background. Mm -hmm. My view of my reason for doing this is because the church doesn't look like me. The church looks like more than me and that the church needs to be more inclusive, as we use that term, I think, in the best possible way of oneness and unity, as we're right. talking about today. Yes. When I tell you that little bit of a story, I'm emphasizing the point to everybody that what's most important to people is what they see us do. Absolutely. So if they know that Mark is already targeting in his succession plan for this approach, mm-hmm. there will, even by that uh, emphasis uh, be more of a unifying factor Absolutely. because somebody else is doing this and, and engendering this direction. Absolutely. I like that. So when you, when we think about these kinds of things, the thing about doing things, mm-hmm. you know, what is the first thing that comes to your mind about doing things? What can we do? You know, we're doing something on the radio show right now. Uh, you and I are developing a relationship with each other that's going to go beyond the show today. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about these things in the future. Uh, I mentioned this example, for instance, from your perspective. How do you see this? Well, because of how how, how things have escalated just over the years, historical mm-hmm. history of America, mm-hmm. we've got to start with forgiveness. Yeah, we we have to start with. Uh, we cannot honestly do heart-to-heart ministry Mm -hmm. with animosity. Mm. We just cannot. Uh, We cannot because we're doing it. We're saying that we do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Mm -hmm. We're led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, In in Mark chapter 11, when Christ, in the great passage where Christ uh, says, say unto this mountain, be thou removed, cast in the midst of the sea. Often we leave out as preachers that Jesus ends that stanza of scripture Saying, and when you stand praying, when you do all of what I just said, mm-hmm. forgive. Mm-hmm. If for if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive mm-hmm. you. Now he's not talking about the relationship. Mm-hmm. He's talking about listen. You you guys have relationship, but you're gonna you can't you can't do this with a broken fellowship. Mm-hmm. And he's suggesting, Doctor Eccles, that if you have if you can't forgive people, you're out of fellowship with me. Mm-hmm. Which brings to mind, then how can we walk in the Spirit? And be out of fellowship with him. Mm. So the first thing I would push is the need for us to forgive. But secondly, I would I would uh, uh, create more and more forums where we can have open dialogue, like this one, open dialogue about what uh, the population sees as the problem mm. to uh, racial unity, yes. to to cultural unity, to societal u- unity. 
uh, because uh, you know it, it, I have learned, you know, and the Bible teaches it, we need to be slow, slow to speak and quick to hear. Mm. And often, like what you just said, in in in, in, in the use of the you know your elevator elevator speech, man, that's powerful. Mm. I don't know if the listeners understand. The, the, the power, I wish they could, they could see your expression, they would maybe, but, <laughs> but the power and what you're saying, you are saying, listen, I need to be clear that in my perspective, what needs to be done is, is, is for me to take the first step mm-hmm. from my, from, yeah, from, so, from the Euro American perspective to the African American perspective, I believe it's my responsibility it, to initiate, to step out, to ask, to invite, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 the scripture proves it. If you, if you check it out, we, we God, God took steps to reach beyond uh, sending Jonah to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. It's God reaching beyond. Mm-hmm. We, we we see it in the New Testament. We see Christ uh, uh, at the well, at the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. We see uh, him in the parable of Luke chapter 10 with the Good Samaritan. So we know that, that, that we serve a God who, through Christ, has expressed to us that we should be reaching beyond. But, mm. you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just listening to you. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so glad to be here because I, I, that's the type of uh, verbiage. That's the type of, of speech. That's the type of uh, conversation mm. that we need to have because you cannot grab anything that you need to grab without reaching for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just what you said is profound. We're going to take a short break. Okay. Uh, no, and I'm serious because this is a great conversation. But when we come back, I want to ask the both of you, because I'm sitting there watching this passion about what we can do together. Uh, I want to ask Mark, uh, f- from the white clergy, from the white uh, parishioners, mm-hmm. uh, what they need to probably know best about your experience in dealing with uh, ministers and, and people in the urban community. And then Dr. Clyde almost reversed the same thing. What we need them to know, because forgiveness is one thing, but we can't forget either. And I think a lot of time the willingness to forgive is there all the time. But then the story, it's mm-hmm. like when we have to tell the story of why, <laughs> why we, we have need to be forgiving. That's right. <laughs> uh, it seems That's like right. that conversation doesn't want to hit the table. And the right. reality is, man, it was some, the, the oppression is a real thing. Absolutely. Uh, that the people who were the uh, residue of it. Mm-hmm. need to to understand sure, too as right. well and that's why people are fractured we're going to come sure. back dr clyde posley dr mark echo here on warp and wolf radio we'll be right back radio TV. we are live warp and wolf radio dr mark echo lhb bell every wednesday morning 10 a.m to 12 p.m eastern standard time show brought to you by comenius institute uh special guest in studio today dr clyde posley man this is this is good we mm-hmm. we're definitely going to have to do this some more yep. uh but tell them about comenius before we get back in this great conversation doc Sure. Comenius does three bridges uh, throughout Indianapolis. Our first bridge is for Christian young people going into public university at IUPUI, helping them navigate uh, thinking and beliefs and ideas that they haven't heard before. Second bridge is between communities. We essentially do that through our radio show, something like we're doing today about black and white cultures uh, coming together in unity. And the third bridge that we cross is into culture. So we deal with all kinds of cultural interactions. And there's so many th- different things on my website, the Cominius website. You can go there and find all kinds of things we've written on. 
Man, this is a great topic, great conversation, and uh, we we were uh, leaving off on the break, and, and I did post a question because uh, I hear the passion of both of you gentlemen who are are trying to break down these barriers, and that's what they are—just barriers, and they're they're real uh, superficial barriers, as a matter of fact. And uh, Dr. Posey, I was asking, you know, what what can we do as as black clergy, as a as a uh, community of black Christians? Uh, like you say, to forgive, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what was done to be positive about how we move forward. Um, and then Dr. Mark, you know, some of the things that, that the white parishioners and the white clergy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the misconceptions maybe from your dealings, if, if we could. Well, uh, I'll start by telling a story. When I was, uh, when my kids were teenagers, uh, I showed them the film Mississippi Burning, which is, uh, an, an awful film in many respects about the, uh, the difficult situation uh, that we found in Mississippi in 1963 and what happened to civil rights uh, workers there, uh, one black man and two white men who were uh, killed by uh, white supremacists in Mississippi. When I got all done uh, with this film, and, you know, because I'm a movie guy and I've written a book on movies and stuff like this, you know, we're talking about these things uh, with the kids. And Chelsea, my little girl, who's now 31, has a couple kids of her own, uh, she says to me, real sweet, she says, Daddy, she says, why are people still so upset about this? And here's a young girl who, you know, has African-American friends, Asian-American friends. You know, she's in all this culture, so mm-hmm. she's got all these different folks around her. Mm-hmm. And I said, little one, I said, this is a long history, mm-hmm. and this is not ever something to be forgotten. We never want to forget what has happened. We never want to stop talking about it because we never want to see it ever happen again. And so her question, her very sweet, gentle, naive question, really led to the place of being able to say uh, to other people, we should never forget the history. And so when we talk about forgiveness, when we talk about what do white parishioners, what do white pastors, what do white clergy need to do, they need to be able to speak to the history of the sinfulness of what happened in our country through slavery and the implications of what that has meant throughout the, uh, the years. And so that not only that we have an understanding of this, but that there's a conciliation uh, from our part to the black community so that there can be reconciliation. That's what I would say. There needs to be a a conciliation from the white community to the black community so there can be a a reconciliation between the communities. I agree. I I, I agree. I agree. And well said, Dr. Eccles. You know, I was I was um, speaking. um, I was lecturing someplace recently, and I I was talking about uh, the very in in theory the very thing that you're talking about how um, uh, white pastors need to need to sit down with white pastors need to be forums need to be open dialogue in in the churches Mm -hmm. and 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 not just in academia but but of course in academia but in the churches you know uh, inviting one another in to talk to the people um, uh, from ag- academic perspectives as well as theological perspectives. In in one lecture just recently, I was talking about is, uh, you know, a, there are pictures out uh, of uh, slave ships, for example, in terms of just the epistemology of this whole get, getting information out about it. Here's mm-hmm. a site of knowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, in these slave in these slave ships, it wasn't just the picture that you see of of, of slaves being brought from New, from West Africa. Um, packed into these slave ships. But an important thing to know would speak to the current, the, a, a current cultural construct today. Here's what I mean. Uh, in these, uh, there's, there's some writings and suggestions that, that, that uh, 60% of the slaves that were brought from the West, in, uh, West Africa 
died on these slave passages. These passages took from four to six months. Now, you have to know that these people were shackled to each other. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, 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 and don't mean to be too vulgar, but I'm just trying to get, create a sight of knowing of about this information. Yep. So they are defecating where they lay. Mm-hmm. They are urinating where they lay. And we must be mindful, uh, Dr. Echoes, that that one man's daughter was probably shackled across from him on the other, uh, but in view in this in the slave ship. She is defecating and urinating, and and her body is atrophying because they're being thrown slop, hog slop, uh, whatever to be. They're being fed a live fish being thrown down, shoved down their throat just to keep them alive, to get them to market. Okay, when you have this going on, you you, you have to somehow, uh, the brain, as you know, creates an atmosphere to deal with this, and it numbs itself, Mm -hmm. okay? And so uh, there is a theory that suggests that uh, some of uh, uh, concepts of uh, devaluing life that people believe that black-on-black crime speaks to, uh, I'm not saying yay or nay, but but there is uh, uh, George Degree suggests that there is a a devaluing of life in in uh, among uh, cultures that, that that commit crime against one another. It happens in the white culture as well as in the black, because there are some things in the history that have caused uh, some of the uh, the devaluing of life to survive mm. in in some regards, and and we have to reawaken that. We have to re- remember that that though we have a history of having to, uh, in many instances, be forced to do things to our own race, either numb ourselves from the pain of it or to numb out, no, to, to just do it at what, say, the master said, to survive, we have to reawaken the reality and the value of, of uh, the, cu- the life of the culture. Uh, now, I, I don't want any of the listeners to believe that I'm somehow excusing why uh, there's black on black crime or white on right white on right crime? But what I'm talking about is that some of the behavior today is rooted in some uh, survival techniques of the past just to cope. Mm. Pastors need to explain what I just said to their parishioners. Mm. These uh, the, the, the people aren't necessarily just savage. When something happens and they and there seems to be a lack of concern for their fellow man or their fellow culture. We need to find out what's the root cause of there such behavior. Yep. Yep. How, how do we, what, what, what is the psychology and, what, mm-hmm. and what, 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 what's going on in the mind of a culture uh, or a group of people, whether black on white, black on black crime or white on white crime or, or whatever, Asian on Asian crime, what's happening in the culture to make you be antithetical to the needs of your mm-hmm. own culture mm-hmm. that you'd be willing to, without seemingly much remorse, Kill. Yes. And it's so, not just the one thing either. Yeah, it's not, There's so many ab- different absolutely. threads to this. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was just an example mm. of the type of knowledge mm. that, that, that needs to be discussed so that a different culture can understand some of the behavior and, and what people are trying to work their way through to get back to the middle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these things have not, uh, have not been so long ago that we have had to deal with <clears throat> the civil rights marches mm-hmm. in the 1960s. Uh, we still have folks alive today who are invested yeah, and involved absolutely. in those I have marches. Members. So, you know, in this, for all those listening to this, 
don't don't think that somehow because we're living in 2017 that everything's good now and everything's changed and somehow we're all going to be walking down the road arm in arm. Absolutely. Uh, We have to remember history. And so history is something that we should never forget. Obviously, Scripture speaks to this constantly. Absolutely. In fact, to your point early in the show, uh, I go back to Leviticus chapter 19, and I remember what where Jesus, of course, got his statement about love your neighbor. That's where it comes from. That's right. And, and God says, you are to love the stranger because you know what it was like Absolutely. living in Egypt. Absolutely. 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 Now, that is rooted in the first five books of the Bible we hold so mm-hmm. sacred. Absolutely. That's a powerful point. It's like a that. very important issue that we never forget history and one that, you know, you and I share obvious passion for in this respect. Um, the, the issue of how do you navigate that from now on? Okay, now that's an ongoing discussion. Ongoing discussion. But we have to at least lay the groundwork and set the foundation stone and say we need to begin here. Okay, we don't need to dwell here. We need, right. don't need to talk about this all the But we need to start here, right. and now we need to go from here, and now we need to go ahead together. That's right. At, you know, and at, at, the, at the core of that, I think the, one of the ways we begin is to um, – Look at the needs of people. You know, we, we um, you know, a, a person's, uh, a group, a, a hegemonic policy is an indicator of hegemonic perception mm. and philosophy. Mm. If Explain it, hegemonic for everybody. Uh, a, a group, a, yeah. a, a group dynamic, a, 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 a superior group, a larger group, not necessarily superior, but, but a group of people. <clears throat> Uh, that group, whether it be the government, whether it be a culture, uh, whether it be a church board, uh, a church congregation, mm-hmm. a radio uh, at the, at the uh, 317 collaboration mm-hmm. group, um, their policies set forth their perception mm-hmm. and their philosophies. Yes. To bring unity, the government uh, and other other groups have to set forth policies that re, that that speak to the needs of the stranger mm-hmm. the downtrodden the mm-hmm. outcast in Jesus first sermon the beatitudes he began to speak about the poor the poor in spirit the poor financially the down the oppressed jewish state or hebrew state in palestine mm-hmm. he talked about this he addressed, and so let, let me bring this to 2017. We cannot say we love each other as a country, calling ourselves a Christian nation, that uh, and we love a Christian nation. Uh, and you want to sweep it under the rug, and you want to act like it didn't exist. Right. That's yeah, I think that's when problem, we've yeah. got a problem is because it did happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's over. Mm-hmm. We know we need to move forward. But are you, aren't you even conscious of why maybe? Uh, this group of people act like they act in certain situations. Why anger might be a little bit quicker to come about uh, in the sense of, I tell people all the time, my sisters, as an African-American man, my African-American sisters are the toughest species God ever put on this. <laughs> no, I, I am I am serious as I know how to be. They are the strongest species God put on this earth because if black men think that we were oppressed, what do you think that, quote, unquote, the second class mm-hmm. <laughs> human known as woman mm-hmm. that's been identified in this thing? I ain't got nothing to do with it. It's just the way it's been. Mm-hmm. And being an African-American sister. Yeah. It's it's a tough gig, but I watched I watched Grace and I watched, you know, I watched this little grandmother of mine, man, do some things 
at the time she did them, going up into Carmel and Zionsville. Mm. Uh, she had a little brick and brack store. And I mean, we were up in Zionsville and Carmel when I was five years old when, uh, you know, we weren't that far from the sign saying colored only, mm-hmm. uh, white only. We just weren't that far away from it. And mm-hmm. I watched her deal with such grace with a population of people that that never made me feel like they thought she was a little black lady. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's my model. Yeah. And, and, and it's pretty much worked for me. And, and that's not everybody's role or everybody's game, but uh, it was mine. And I, and I think that if we can just learn to just open up our hearts and love a little more, we can get this thing right. I do believe. I'm going to go out trying. Well, we've got uh, our next guest in studio, Dr. Mark. And we're going to continue this great conversation about a healing nation. Yes, How we are we going to help this thing heal? Um, and when we go to the break, think about it. How would you make it mm-hmm. uh, a better place to live? You are listening to the Warping Wolf Radio Show on the Cool Groove site at Radio Next. RadioNext.tv. We are live on Warp and Wolf Radio here at RadioNext.tv at the brand new studio at Collaborate 317. And I uh, have to say this each and every time we get on the air, if you get an opportunity, please come out and visit us at 4202 North EMS Boulevard, Greenfield, Indiana. That's right, Greenfield, Indiana, Jumbo's Gone Country, 46140. <laughs> and come out and check out this great, great facility. Dr. Mark, take your show back, man. You are so funny. My twin, my my brother, oh my, he's gone country. Boy, I'll tell you what, the first time that you start playing country music, man, then, then I'm, I'm going to know you went country. Country syrup. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, HB has his show on Saturday morning. It's called Jumbo Love from 8 to 12. And as he likes to say, he pours syrup from 8 to 9. For all of the ladies that like to listen to the old smooth jazz, you don't want to miss that show. It's really great and uh, has an awful lot of uh, great guests on every single week. Uh, that's something that uh, is happening here on Saturdays. And HB mentioned that uh, we have folks who are coming in to visit, and we really do encourage that. Actually, I was just taking a couple of folks here around on tours uh, this morning. Got another uh, one of our contributors coming in at 1 o'clock this afternoon uh, just to show him this new place. We're just tremendously excited uh, to be with lots of different people who have the same mindset in terms of collaboration and interest in working together at Collaborate one, uh, 317. So do come out, uh, check us out on Facebook, uh, connect with me via email, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, shoot me a text. My number is 630-303-4891. My stuff is all over the place. You can't miss me. Uh, so find it and uh, come connect with us. But during this particular uh, day, we have been emphasizing this idea that uh, we are a divided nation. Uh, we have uh, talked about the ethnic uh, issues in our nation. We've done uh, this on a number of other shows. Uh, in our first hour, we had Dr. Clyde Posley here a tremendous uh, pastor of Antioch Baptist, and we were having a tremendous conversation about uh, the needs uh, that we have together and working together. In fact, just after uh, he, just as he was leaving, he said, you know, let's get together this coming week. So we're going to meet and talk about what we might actually do together uh, in the city and around Indianapolis. But in our second hour, uh, we have a great privilege, and that is uh, Mike Roll is here, and he is going to uh, talk with us about Q Commons. Now, I've had some conversations uh, this week, Mike, with some folks about Q Commons, and they kind of wrinkle their brow and they go, 
Q Commons, what's that? You know, I've never heard of that before, so of course I have to be the evangelist and tell them about Q Commons. I'm, I'm grateful for all, for every <laughs> chance you take to do that. But I'll tell you, man, I just this is such a powerful organization, yeah. and it's a national organization, certainly an international one, uh, with cities around uh, the the world that actually engage in this. So let's start uh, with you telling us just a little bit about yourself, your family, and. Uh, just what you do in Indianapolis, but then beyond that, uh, take us into Q Commons and give us the background. Okay, I'm grateful to be here, Mark. Thank you. Uh, I'm my name is Mike Rowell, and um, I am blessed to be the wife of Christy and the, the wife uh, or the husband. <laughs> That's right. I got a wife. I'm the husband. <laughs> um, I am the husband of Christy, and I have four great kids. Uh, 16 to 11, so kind of a busy time in the in the family right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved to Indy 11 years ago to pastor a church, and um, I was at that particular position for five years. But in those five years, God birthed in me a love for the city of Indianapolis, and a God flipped a switch in me, a a switch from seeing the problems of the city as someone else's problem, as seeing it as someone else's fault, and thus it was their responsibility to deal with it. And God flipped that switch to where I started to want to identify with the city and be part of the solution. I wanted to um, be part of the flourishing of the city, to use some scriptural language. So, um, so then, uh, my time at that particular pastorate came to an end. I still I have a pastor's heart, and um, I believe that God ultimately wants me to plant another faith community um, in the in the northeast corner of Indianapolis, the Lawrence area there. So, looking forward to that. But in the meantime, uh, God wouldn't let me leave Indianapolis, mm-hmm. even after my time at that pastorate came to an end. He wouldn't let me leave, and I realized that. God sort of wanted me to plant my flag here and, and say until you know, I'm going to raise my, my kids well, I'm going to love my wife, and I'm going to observe what God's doing here mm-hmm. and be part of it and connect people and contribute to that in that way. And so um, at, at around the same time that God was stirring those, those, uh, those directions in my heart, I came across a national organization called Q. Q was started by man by the name of Gabe Lyons, who many in Christian leadership circles would remember as being one of the founders and sort of one of the figureheads of the Catalyst Conference. He was with John Maxwell's leadership group for a long time. And uh, Gabe started this organization um, to help Christians discern how to influence culture. And uh, he, Gabe was greatly influenced by the work and writings of Chuck Colson. Um, Chuck Colson, many would um, identify as someone who sort of re, um, reintroduced the idea of Christians and they're, uh, having a responsibility to contribute to the flourishing of culture mm-hmm. and, and um, that the Christian faith actually speaks to, to a responsibility for that. And so Gabe started Q. And about 10, 11 years ago, um, started that organization, um, started with a national conference that brought together thinkers from across many different disciplines, 
um, some who shared the Christian faith, some who didn't necessarily, but whose perspectives needed to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And about four years ago, um, the Q organization decided to add an event that would be a combination of satellite speakers broadcast to multiple locations along with live local speakers who would address uh, these issues at the at the local level and be practitioners who were who were on the ground as it were and so that event is called Q Commons um it has grown to where uh, on October 26th uh tomorrow we will uh, we will have this event in over 150 locations uh, around the world, mm. um, most of them in the United States, but in many, and uh, probably we're getting up to 15, 20 in international locations. Mm. And so uh, there will be, um, there will be a, a, like I said, a combination of broadcast speakers who will speak to topics from a more national perspective, and then they'll be combined with. Um, live local talks from uh, our in the case of Indianapolis from our perspective um, addressing the 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 unifying topic of healing our divided nation and so um, just in my preparation and in my telling people about it and bringing bringing these people together I am really excited mm-hmm. for uh, what I believe is going to happen um, it is the content is always first class um, on the national level, certainly, um, on, and I'm excited about the live local speakers who are, are doing some great things, and um, I'm grateful they're going to get to share their stories with with people who um, who perhaps have not heard of them or are looking for ways to to collaborate and contribute. But always, one of the biggest takeaways is the people that you meet, because. The Q is a little hard to describe. It has a little, up to this point, it has a little bit of a dog whistle quality to it, where you, if you, the way you talk about it, some people go, okay, <laughs> and some people go, I want to be part of that. Yeah. And so the people that come are either curious or they're all in mm-hmm. on wanting to contribute. Yep. to the healing of our nation and starting with the city of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And so you you always, I always take away from these events the wonderful people mm. who are doing tremendous things or who have a passion to mm-hmm. do something. And you get to meet them, you get to hear their stories, you get to talk through how you can help. And for me, in addition to the content, that's always the, the best part is um, – you know, I, I I just I started being the Indianapolis host because I wanted to go to it. Hmm. I did. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I just nobody else was doing it, and I wanted to meet these people. And I made an erroneous assumption early on in my time <laughs> in Indianapolis that if I knew awesome person A and awesome person B. I assumed that they knew each other because they were both awesome, and it turns out that's not the case. Right? You know, Indy's a big enough city that people can be doing amazing things, and and just you know we're locked in on the on our daily lives and and what yeah. God's called us to do and stuff. And 
and not know that the, each other exists. And mm. so um, for me, that's that's one of the, the best parts of, of the event. Mm. Well, let me just uh, clarify for everybody listening today that, that Mike is an awesome person and that he needs to be known by everybody else. This is really huge. And your comment about the dog was, oh, my word, I was thought I was going to lose a lung over here laughing. Uh, that was just hilarious. But it's exactly true, as I was telling you off air. Uh, I, I feel like I'm an evangelist for Q because I, I meet people and they, they tell me, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And so I go into my long speech, you know, about what a great organization this is and all the great things they do. Uh, and then there are folks who automatically know and they say, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, just so you know, by the way, uh, since we're dealing with a divided nation topic and maybe we can kind of, you can kind of roll out some of what that actually is going to be. Um, this last week on the radio show, we had George Middleton with us who just wrote a book entitled Black, which is how uh, the African-American experience brings a certain mindset to everything that they deal with. Yeah. And uh, uh, after the show, I said, you know, George, you've ever heard of Q? And he said, no. And I said, well, you want to go with me? And he said, yeah. So, That's you know, awesome. George is coming with me on uh, tomorrow night, and we're yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, and I, um, the it's interesting that you that that we talked about the, the sort of dog whistle metaphor. Yeah, because yeah. Because... You you know Pastor G as a as a friend of, mm-hmm. of both of us. Sure, I was on his forward radio show Sunday evening. Nice, and he what seems to sort of be bubbling to the surface in in talks around this subject in Indianapolis is the race conversation mm-hmm. and and what what reconciliation and what understanding and what forward progress is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And he Pastor G was just like super blunt for for a few seconds there and just you know sort of um asked me a question on asked me to speak on behalf of white america for a second <laughs> um or at, least, or at least white evangelicals and mm. um and 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 he was he was honest in saying that um that certain events that are happening in our culture are perceived by the african american community a certain way and his basic question was why aren't you guys seeing it this way mm-hmm. you know and um he actually brought up the metaphor of the dog whistle be- and and i said that's a really apt metaphor because there are some of us who are seeing i mean there's different groups and this is this is true across the board different groups of people are looking at the exact same set of events right. set of circumstances and they are interpreting it and interpreting what or, or thinking through what forward progress looks like completely mm-hmm. different ways. Exactly. And, and so um, we want to, in terms of this particular conversation, we want to bring together people who are looking for healing. Yeah, absolutely. To, to contribute to healing in that regard. And we want to make sure that, that we get a full-throated response to all of that. So we need to take a break and uh, do some music here. But when we come back, uh, Mike and I are con- going to continue this conversation specifically around the issue of ethnicity and the concerns that we have in the United States of America. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio on RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And today we are discussing the issue of the divide in us, in our nation, uh, that has to do with racial uh, issues and difficulties. And in the first hour, we had Dr. Posley from Antioch Baptist here uh, with us and discussing some of the pers- perspectives from his 
uh, vantage point at his church. Uh, all of this is on the podcast, of course. If you missed that first hour, uh, you can pick it up later in the day when our streams come out. But right now we have uh, Mike Roll in, in the studio with us, and uh, Mike is here from Q Commons. And in the first segment here of our second hour, we were talking about what Q is and what it stands for and uh, all those kinds of things. Mike, why don't you just give us kind of a repeat, uh, tell us about what's going to happen tomorrow night so that people are aware of what's going on uh, tomorrow night, and then we'll get back into the issue of uh, racial issues. Good deal. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night is Q Commons Indianapolis. Uh, we will be one of, certainly for any listeners from outside Indianapolis, you can go to qcommons.com and look up a list of locations uh, where it's going down. It'll be 150 different sites where this is happening. But for us in Indianapolis, uh, the venue will be the Skyline Club at the Bank One building downtown. Uh, start time is 7 o'clock. Doors open at 6.30. Um, tickets can be uh, purchased at qcommons.com slash Indianapolis. And so... Uh, the event will be a combination of broadcast speakers. Um, talks will be nine minutes or 18 minutes in length. Um, they have a format very similar to TED Talks for listeners who might be familiar with that. So there will be three national scope speakers who will be broadcasting then, um, then three local speakers uh, who will be live. And in addition, we will take a bit of time to both introduce and recognize some groups who are doing uh, great work here in the city. Mm. Um, Q Commons Indianapolis is partnering with Chosen Ministries uh, this year. Um, they're being, they've been a big help to us just in term of, terms of providing an administrative back end mm. for a lot of the details of putting on an event like this. Um, they're doing amazing work with helping uh, single parent families um, uh, build sustainable careers. Mm. And um, I'm excited to be able to introduce them to our audience and, and uh, have people, you know, see how they can help collaborate mm. with them and partner with them. Um, some Stone's Table, uh, Sagamore Leadership Initiative, um, and uh, Unite Indy are, are some of the organizations that are partnering with us for this event. Um, and we'll be introducing their leaders and uh, their missions to, mm. to the audience. Um, in addition, uh, K-Love and Air One will be awarding, uh, will be um, handing out awards to organizations who exemplify uh, the work of the kingdom in Indianapolis. Mm. So that'll be part of the event as well. That's wonderful. These are great things. Uh, there are so many good things that are happening around Indianapolis. And quite frankly, uh, what ends up happening is that we don't know about each other. Exactly. Uh, so... It sounds like uh, I'm going to have I have uh, a whole set of uh, interviews already set up just from all the names you just gave us. Good deal. <laughs> I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. These are folks that uh, need to be heard. Uh, we were talking off air about Pastor G and uh, uh, Pastor Gurton has been on our program here. Uh, he has his radio show on 1310. But we're great grateful to kind of cross paths with all kinds of different folks around Indianapolis. Doesn't yep. matter. As long as everybody's doing good, you know, as, as, right. as Christians, uh, that really makes a huge difference for us. Well, let's get into this issue of um, the racial divide and the need to heal uh, issues uh, in our nation. From your vantage point, Mike, how are you and Q coming at this? What is your approach uh, going to be like and what kind of results do you expect to see out of this? Well, I'll speak to the best that I can from the perspective of Q as a national organization. Um, 
the first the first step we have to take, and I believe that Q has been attempting to take, is to introduce the perspectives of people who are not like us. Um, we have to hear the stories of people whose life experience doesn't match ours, um, because so much of so much of our values and so much of what we see as important, so much of what we see as being worth pursuing and worth working through roadblocks for comes from what we understand to be important and that's from our life experience. And mm. one, of the, one of the things that, um, you know, one of the national talks will be on technology addiction and one of the things that this cultural moment has produced in because of technology and because of just sort of facilitating sort of the worst instincts in us perhaps um one of the things that has happened is that we've we've just fallen into these silos in terms of life experience and all of the voices all of for the majority of people all of the voices that speak into our lives that inform our values that inform our decisions that inform our sense of what needs to be talked about what needs to be what something needs to be done about all of that is just coming from people who share our life experience and and so someone says this is important and it's it's so totally foreign to us mm that it just it might as well be bouncing off an actual wall because it just doesn't resonate with us at all. So Q has done a good job over the past 10 years of bringing people to the table, bringing speakers to the consciousness of of their audience um and of the Christian community who whose perspectives are different from others, um whose life experiences are different from others. And so, and we, we're going to do that in this, um, in this Q Commons Indianapolis event as well. Um, and so we really, just in, in talking about it, I, I really think that's where it has to start, you know, um, because, uh, because from that, pers we talk about dialogue as being needed, but we can't really, Part of the reason that we're shouting at each other instead of talking to each other is that we don't understand each other's life experiences. Mm -hmm. We don't. We are not. Um, we're not aware of their perspective mm -hmm. on the same set of mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I really, I think that's where it has to start. Um, Q is doing. Uh, Q is doing a uh, j just a slight preview. They're going to announce a campaign at the event tomorrow um, called Up To Us. And it is a series of it, a series of actions that an individual can take to address the divided nature of our nation. Mm. Um, and it involves things like meeting for coffee with someone whose life experience is different than yours. Mm -hmm. um, you know, agreeing to be vocal about the need for this issue to be addressed. Um, it's very easy to look at it from a 30,000 foot perspective or from the perspective of the media or the mm -hmm. national news and just think 
it's it's sort of already routed toward uh, like whatever destruction looks like, you know. Yeah. Um, but there, to to be a Christian is to believe mm. that there is something that we can do. Mm-hmm. To be a Christian is to believe that um, to to follow the ways of Jesus is to believe that the individual has a choice whose consequences will resonate and reverberate within within groups within neighborhoods and and make a difference for the world yeah this uh reminds me of uh you know just to give a specific example of this in the nfl right now for instance you know the whole colin kaepernick thing that happened last year taking a knee during the anthem uh, we actually did something on this in one of our episodes here a few months back um has of course morphed into much more than that now in many respects uh, in different directions not my interest in saying that out loud is not to make that point but here's the point i want to make what isn't being said is the good stuff that's going on so the other night i was i went to hear a band at a local bar and it was a great band a lot of, some folks from my church were there doing their thing and i you know i wanted to go and support them it was really good music and so, you know, they've got screens all over the place, you know, and one of the screens is ESPN. And uh, on the uh, screen is, here is the owner of the New England Patriots who has taken former coaches and NFL players to Israel so that they might hear the gospel in Israel and be baptized in the Jordan River. This is on ESPN, folks. Wow. ESPN. <laughs> okay, so I don't want to talk about Colin Kaepernick taking with me. I want to talk about the owner of the New England Patriots. By the way, I have no love loss for the Patriots. I want to talk about what he's doing that's good. Yes. One of the things that we've lost in all of this back and forth that we do with each other is we're not talking about what each other is doing good in the community. That's right. How important is that? Exactly. Exactly. And to that, to that end, one of our speakers will be Ashley Gerbitz, um, who recently left a, a position uh, she was a, a legislative aide in the in the Indiana State House and sort of a rising figure within the Democratic Party uh, left that position to be the head of Eastern Star Church's mm-hmm. rock initiative um, which seeks to improve the lives of the people in the 46218 area code mm-hmm. and um, she is seeing even in uh, this transition it's only been like three months so uh, or even early on just seeing some wonderful things happening there in terms of neighborhoods being brought together she's, she's helping neighborhoods start neighborhood mm. organizations like recognize mm. that we can come together as a group and affect change in in on our street you know um, and helping with things like that and just seeing even the at the early stage that she's at, seeing some wonderful things happen in an area of the city that could really use some wonderful things to happen. Mm. You know? That really strikes me as, as you mention it uh, about the political uh, specter. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. I could use that word. I was going to say sphere, but I don't know anymore. I, f- I feel like it's a specter. Um, the issues that surround us politically, it sure seems like it doesn't really matter who's uh, has the control of the white house, the Senate, uh, it really what matters is who has the power and who's going to hold sway and who's not going to let who talk and all those kinds of things. It surely seems that not only is the political structure in the nation uh, and maybe even in our own communities broken, but then the question becomes, okay, so where are you going to put your effort? Yeah. 
what are you going to spend time doing? Sure. Now, that's not to suggest, by the way, that, that people shouldn't be in politics who are Christians because that's a really important issue. Yes. But nonetheless, uh, for somebody to step out of that limelight mm. and go back into the community and say, you know what, I, I can do something on the ground level, literally on the street level, as that's you right. suggest. Exactly. That's an amazing thing. It really is. And I'm, I am looking forward to introducing her to mm. our audience tomorrow. And just in my short time of knowing her, she's, she feels like it like it was a divine calling mm. you know and and so um for you know um the the christian faith needs to be presented as something to aspire to mm. you know the the things we we should be known for doing things that contribute to the good <laughs> of our city mm-hmm. and and our nation mm-hmm. and and have it be known that that is that is welling up from our Christian faith. Yes, and and that would be one of the overlying overarching themes that Q would want to present, mm-hmm. and certainly that I I'm, I'm passionate about on our local level here is that um, we we sort of you know many Christians are are uncomfortable with the language of marketing, but we kind of need to rebrand. Christianity we've we've it's it's been portrayed as being the root cause of a lot of divisiveness Mm. of a lot of a lot of the forming of these silos where we don't we don't hear or we're not aware of the perspectives of people whose experiences and even theological beliefs are different Mm -hmm. from us Um, and and uh, that that needs that needs to change I I don't think that that I don't think that that honors Jesus. I no. don't think that's what Jesus was about. Right. It reminds me to say that, uh, you know, we all have perceptions of what other people do or even about ourselves. We have perceptions, whether they be right or wrong, uh, good or bad necessarily. But the point is that each one of us brings those perceptions to the table. And then they, they become this blanket over which, you know, is laid. We, we think exactly. about everybody else from this perspective and point of view. I mean, I have... Uh, friends in the community that are progressive and liberal, uh, very different from my perspectives as a conservative preservative, uh, concerned for the great ideas and ideals of culture. But you know what? When you start talking with folks, you find out that you, that you agree on a whole bunch more than you disagree on. Exactly. And normally what we disagree on is the approach. So maybe that's something we could talk about is this issue of the approach. Uh, when we talk about doing good, which, by the way, uh, for those of you regular listeners, you always hear me say this. The whole point of this program is Titus 3, do good, do good, do good. Christians that are doing good. So people get the perception uh, that Christians uh, are divisive or have created the silos. Certainly is not true. There are a lot of good folks doing really good work uh, around the community, around the world. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we have to deal with those kinds of things. So let's deal with how do we present ourselves to other people and maybe the communication problems that we might have. And let's let's talk about that a little bit, about how do we go about maybe recapturing the way uh, of rebranding, as you've mm-hmm. suggested, uh, how we should look at each other and talk about ourselves. Well, that's a big question. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. I forgot my three-point plan at home. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Where does it start? Yeah, I, let's I, start there. Yeah, it, I think it has to start with it has to start with 
a sort of soul-searching process. Mm, there you go. Okay. It has to start with uh, with us recognizing, and I'll, sp- I'll speak for myself, okay? <laughs> yep. it, it started with me recognizing that things were not as they should be and that it was within my capacity, it was worth the effort on my part mm. to change that. Yes. Okay, so so I come from a really conservative background. I come from an, a life experience that for a long time was almost completely devoid of African-American people, mm-hmm. okay, much less the African-American community. Right. Um, I came, I moved to Indianapolis from a city that is listed in the U.S. Census as being 99.3% Caucasian. Mm. So um, when I came to Indianapolis and moved to my street, I'm, I moved there in 05, like the end of 05, beginning of 06, right at the, just when the housing bubble was at its biggest, mm-hmm. okay? So... We were all moving. We were all all moving into these houses we couldn't afford. Okay, mm-hmm. they were they were just throwing them up like crazy, and mm-hmm. we were just we were moving in. Mm-hmm. And my on in my na- in my neighborhood, m- my neighbors were there was an African American family on this side, there was an African American family on this side, there was a a mixed race family on this side, an interracial marriage and kids on this side. White family on on across the street a little bit further down, and and that was the first time that I had ever been in that sort of pro- constant proximity mm. to those to people with those experiences to mm. those kinds of people, and I was naive enough to want them. I, I was a pastor. I mean, I moved to India to be a pastor. I was naive enough to think that I wanted them to be introduced to Jesus and come to my church, and. So I'm, I'm within my uh, religious expression. Uh, there was someone who was sort of looked up to, uh, African American pastor, and I asked him what I needed to do to reach out to these folks, and he told me with complete seriousness and with complete, um, I'm sure he meant well by it. He told me I needed to lead a young African American boy, a man to Jesus. Um, get him through theological training and have him help him start a church there for for black people. Mm. And even as naive as I was at that point, I just thought I don't think that's it. I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that, that's certainly not the answer that I mm. feel I'm supposed to pursue. Mm-hmm. So for me, it started with that. It started with the sense that 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 this needed to change. And that there was something that I could do that was worth my pursuing. Mm. So for me then, it it then went to going, um, sort of inserting myself into the lives of these families, mm. um, being mm. a blessing to them. Yeah. Um, I could, you know, um, we, had a, we had a single mother and two teenage boys that lived across the street. One of the boys came over, um, asked to use the restroom because they'd locked themselves out of the house and mm. the mom wasn't coming home from work for a few hours. My wife, Christy, let him come in and use the restroom, but then asked him if he'd had anything to eat, and he's, he was starving. Uh. 
So she made him a meal. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, made him a sandwich and chips. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like, <laughs> it wasn't prime rib, but she made him a sandwich and chips and gave him the Gatorade and stuff. Yeah. He came back the next day with a bouquet of flowers. Oh, my word. And started a relationship to mm. where um, those two, young, they're young men now. They call me dad. Oh, my. Um, they, they call my wife mom. Mm. They ask how we're doing. Their wow. ones in the Navy and, or excuse me, in the Air Force, and mm. ones in Chicago pursuing a music career. Nice. And they always, I, even if, even if their journey does not correspond to, um, to what I wish it would be or what I could hope it would be, I know that they know what Jesus is like because of the time that we spent together, mm. and. And once you get a taste of that, yeah. you nothing else, nothing else, um, nothing else is better. Nothing mm-hmm. you can't you can't go back. Yeah. I guess is the is the better way to put it. Yeah. So, I'm I'm I met Pastor G because both of us had kids who were taking free coding classes, hmm. and we just had this radar. Like mm-hmm. there was 25 of us parents sitting in a room waiting for our kids to get done. Yeah. And we couldn't go anywhere, you know. <laughs> so we're just sitting there. Everybody's on their phones. And I look across at him and I'm like, that dude looks like a pastor. <laughs> and I introduced myself, and we've been friends ever since. Nice. You know, he started the Urban Servant Leadership Conference. Um, I've been to every one. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, I was the only white dude there. Yeah. And um, I so... You just start showing up. That's right. And there, you know, to be honest with you, folks, I say this all the time. Mike, honestly, I sound like a broken record, what I'm about to say. You do not have to go to seminary to do this. Oh, exactly. You do not. This is not rocket science. All you have to do is get out of your house, cross the street, and meet somebody that's not like you. Yes. Honestly, I mean, talk about the first step. That's in right. communication, mm-hmm. is just go like you did with Pastor G. Go shake hands and say, "Hey, you look like a pastor." That's <laughs> just a great line. <laughs> oh, I wonder how, how does he remember it the same way? Oh yeah. Does he? Did he look at you and say he looks like a pastor? He probably did. Yeah. yeah. That's great. You know this. This is really uh, the powerful issue, I think, and one of the things that uh, really sidelines us in in all of our discussions about everything. And that is the issue of listening, mm-hmm. just to be able to um, hear somebody else. And frankly, that's the bigger problem, I think, that we face is that we're unwilling to hear. There's, there's this threefold process in the process of hearing and listening and then doing something about it. In Hebrew, it, the word is shema, and it means to hear. That is, you get it in your mind. Listen means that you are thinking about it, pondering it. But then the obedience part to do something with it is the action step invo- involved in all of that. Um, and that really seems to me like what we all ought to be doing. Yes. I, the phrase comes to mind that Jesus uttered, he that hath ears to hear. <laughs> yeah, there hear. you go. That's right. We, we, we need ears to hear. Mm-hmm. I, we don't. And, and Jesus made it clear, when you have ears to hear, you'll hear things that you won't hear mm-hmm. otherwise. Right. You know, and that's the case for many people. They, yes. They hear, hear, they hear, listen, mm. and they say, I am listening. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, um, I stopped for 30 seconds and, you know, heard your little sound bite and mm-hmm. I, it doesn't move me. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't move the needle. And, right. um, 
it might be worth for many of us exploring what Jesus meant when he said he that had the ears to hear and right. and you know really dealing with whether we actually have whether that's actually in place for us. Mm. It it strikes me to say this that uh, let's just be honest with everybody uh, you know this seems like a trite statement but everybody is biased and everybody is prejudiced and we are prejudiced and biased because we're only listening to ourselves. We're only listening to our perspective or point of view. We're only listening to the same media group. Uh, we're only listening to the, reading the same newspapers or magazines or reading the same stuff on the same websites every single day yeah. instead of expanding our horizons in different directions and hearing other folks. Uh, one of the situations that uh, confronts me all the time is when I hear NPR, which I, you know, I'm a regular listen, listener to NPR, which I, I disagree with a lot of things that I hear in NPR uh, from my perspective. But when my friends who are conservative say, why do you listen to NPR? I tell them, you have to listen to what people are saying so yes. that you understand, at least begin the understanding part of, of thinking about what somebody else is considering, even if you disagree. That's but right. you've started the process of, of listening. Yes, exactly. And I'm, I, I just, at this point, if I may throw in. Please. Um, you know, it is... There will be other topics addressed at our sure. At, Go ahead at, and at tell them event. about those. Yeah, please. Um, you know, David Brooks, who is a cultural commentator for the New York Times, um, will be addressing the subject of virtue and, and mm -hmm. building virtue in this celebrity-obsessed uh, culture yes. that, that we live in. Um, Kara Powers will be um, addressing technology addiction. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of her work right now is with teenagers and how, and, and more broadly with with everyone in our culture, but specifically how our very life experiences and our very physiology is being shaped by mm -hmm. uh, addiction, by technology and, and forming addictive behaviors mm. there. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and the, the spoken word artist propaganda will be addressing the subject of our complicated moment, um, which will deal with race, but sort of look at it from a broader perspective. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is always interesting to me, this is the fifth one that I posted here in Indianapolis. It's really hard to settle on um, speakers. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to, to I mean, the, the national organization chooses the theme and we have latitude within that to, you know, to choose local speakers. And then there's people who are available and people who aren't. Mm -hmm. and And so... All of that to say, you know, um, this particular issue is sort of organically coming to the surface as one that needs to be addressed, and that there's a there's sort of a a thirst for being addressed, and mm -hmm. and so um, it may well be that the next time we come together, that something else is coming to the surface, it, and so I don't want people who for whom this doesn't resonate necessarily to to not come just – I don't want it to sound like this is the only thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, it just I, – I cannot deny that the intersection of the people I'm meeting and talking to, the speakers who have agreed to come and who have worked out to come, combined with the subject matter that's being addressed by the national organization, the, the inter, this – what we're talking about here is at the intersection of those things. And mm -hmm. so um, it will be – it will be um, – that's part of the reason that it's taking the the space at the front of the of our consciousness now yeah absolutely it's it makes me uh, want to say to everybody listening again that um 
if you've been online here the last week or so, we've been promoting our latest one-minute video, which is how Christians interpret the world around them based on God's Word. And the emphasis, of course, is exactly the emphasis that Q is, is producing here. And that is, you know, we might not, the speakers might not be using chapter and verse from Scripture, but they're going to be talking about universal transcendent truths. Yes. And these truths are going to make a difference in very specific arenas, whether it be in race or technology uh, or in a broader understanding of how we view virtue, for instance, and how those things intersect with our lives. So it's really powerful to have lots of different things going on. Let's take this the, the next step, though, after Q is over. So mm -hmm. let's say on Friday, people are maybe they attended, maybe they saw it live stream, maybe they uh, they just heard about it and they said, "Wow, this really is intriguing." Uh, you know, where do they go from here? What's the next step for folks after Q? Well. Um so the, the Q National Organization is a great, uh, connecting with them is a great way to keep this at the forefront just in terms of they're continually producing content um, that addresses these subjects and content that will um, enlighten and um, guide in, in some of these conversations. Um, we will be doing some events just to bring people back together um, it is our certainly our hope that um, that relationships will start at, in, at this event, and that um, they will that the folks who meet each other will be able to build those relationships from there and, and collaborate from there and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and we certainly desire to have more of a formal presence as a community mm -hmm. to um, to help connect people who have these passions resources with passion and those kinds of things and it, it is not something that's been real formalized up to this point in mm -hmm. the, in indianapolis mm -hmm. but um something we're certainly looking to build out and and uh and and uh, certainly would look to partner with with uh with your organization and, and with others in making that happen. Yeah, that's great. Well, Mike, thanks ever so much for spending some time with us here today. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank oh, you. Absolutely. Thank you for the promotion of Q Commons. Again, Q tomorrow night, uh, Skyline Club, downtown Indianapolis, 7 to 9. If you're not available for that, uh, do either catch the live stream and or uh, connect after the fact. Uh, this is a great organization, uh, one that deserves our attention, one that's getting after the issue of how do we uh, think Christianly about the culture in which we live. Uh, of course, that's one of the bridges that Cominius is after, is helping uh, Christians understand the culture better and understand how to interact with it. Uh, next week, we are going to start a whole month, a series, uh, during the no month of November, on the issue of gratitude. So all of the folks that we're inviting in, we're asking them to speak on the issue of gratitude. What, what has made them thankful? Obviously, upcoming Thanksgiving holiday, but nonetheless, uh, something that we want to pursue, and every single week we'll be dealing with that. Uh, we have been uh, grateful to be in the new facility here at Collaborate 317. Make sure to come and see us out here. Connect with me somehow, CommittiusInstitute.com, WarpAndWoof.org. Uh, see me all over social media. We're all over the place. Uh, connect with HB, Harold Bell here at, uh, at the radio station as well. Uh, we'll be happy to meet with you, give you a tour, uh, talk with you about this great uh, event and this great place out here in Greenfield. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We, you, we come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon at the RadioNext.tv Cool Groove site. And until next week, we'll see you then.